0: Whoa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. This is Connor Hallway of the Golden Hours Podcast, and this is a quick GDP Minute. Dude, I just ran an awesome interview, man. Honestly, that interview got me pumped. I want to definitely do more CEOs and founders coming up for the show. I just interviewed Will Ahmed. He's the CEO of Whoop. If you guys are at all on social media or you follow anybody in the fitness space whoop is taken over. It's essentially like a very specialized and advanced Fitbit for those who don't really know about the product. And it monitors a bunch of metrics that the Fitbit or the Apple watch does not. And it's specifically tailored to calculate the amount of strain you put on your body. And Will has done a gazillion interviews in the past. He's 30 years old and he's running a 250 person company. And so I kind of wanted to tailor this one a little more towards what it's like being a young founder. Dude is 30, runs a 250 person company, right downtown Boston, booming company. He's got hundreds of million dollars of investment. What is that like? And he was so profound in answering it. It was like really awesome. We talked a lot about the early days of Whoop, why he stuck it out. And um, just his vision for the company, if he wants to take it public ever, and then just some of the cool stuff he's done, like, everyone on the PGA Tour has a whoop right now. He talked about seeing the whoop in a LeBron James commercial. All in all, dude, like, it. i just very appreciative for the interview. It was awesome. That dude's a stud. I think I got a man crush on him, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Again, if you get any sort of value from the episode, bro, please just share it with a friend. That's all I ask, man. Share it with a friend, if you think they're gonna get value from it too. He talked a lot about organically marketing and people are gonna think I'm crazy because I never spend like a gazillion bucks on Instagram ad or Facebook ads, but I would way rather just meet one person a day and tell them about GDP and then just be patient and suck it up for as long as I can. And he said, dude, that might actually work for you long term. So hopefully it does work, dude. Hey, I hope you guys enjoy it. And I want to give Lexi Matthews a massive shout out. She landed this herself. I said, Hey, let's get the CEO of whoop on. She was like, bet. No problem. Went out, hustled, contacted them, communicated with the press person. Lexi is going to be a stud, a stud. And I'm very excited for some of the things that her and I are going to do together long-term because she has skill. Golden
1: Deer Productions. Golden
0: Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Enter, just, you forgot to enter.
1: Hi, I'm Will Ahmed, and this is my golden hour.
0: I'm Connor. Hey, Connor. Nice to meet you, brother. Hey, thank you for doing this with us, man. Normally, I, uh, before we run episodes, I normally call our guests. So I'm sorry that this is just our first time meeting. No, all good. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. You ever seen that Bill O'Reilly segment? Yeah, of course. Um, on the phone, I got Lexi who lined this up and Riley. It's our two producers. I will. Hello. Hey, how are we doing? Great. So, hey, question. Where is Whoop located? I see like Fenway in the bottom left corner.
1: Yeah, 1325 Boylston Street. So that right there is Fenway Park.
0: Dude, I mean that must be awesome as like a Harvard dude working right outside of Fenway. Yeah, it's pretty good. No complaints. I was gonna ask, when you uh when you had went to Harvard, what were some of like your late night drunk spots? Were were you like smashing Pinocchios consistently? Pinocchios was
1: definitely a spot. The Kong, uh Grafton Street, um
0: Where's Yeah, the Kong? The...
1: <laughs> the kong is right on mass half it's kind of a longstanding. so the, the scorpion bowls at the kong has been a long-standing undergraduate
0: debauchery yeah i think i actually know exactly what you're talking about it's like right across from one of their one of the harvard terraces correct that's right that's okay right. cool well hey man i'm connor this is the Golden Hours podcast. And I'm gonna be honest with you, dude. We've run some really cool episodes of our show. But when I posted about this online, people were hyped, man. People love your product, dude. Congrats. Good. Thank you. Has has it, it been weird for you? Just like the past, it seems like the past year I've just been seeing whoop everywhere. Has it just been weird for you, like the accelerated growth? Yeah, you know, the business has been growing, I would say,
1: a lot in the last three years and I think especially in the last six months and it's just been awesome to see um, you know our our vision come to life.
0: Now before we move on can you just give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? Yeah so my name is Will Ahmed I'm the founder and CEO
1: of Whoop and uh, I spend most of my days uh, thinking about how to build technology to improve human performance. So Measuring everything from how you're sleeping to your body's recovery to uh, exercise, strain, trying to understand the different behaviors and lifestyle decisions that you make and how those may affect your body, and uh, and providing feedback back to WHOOP members that help them hopefully improve their lives, improve their performance. So it's a big focus on health. Uh, WHOOP is based in Boston. We're about 250 employees. And we've raised a little over a hundred million in venture capital to date.
0: Now, are you 30? Are you 29? 30 years old. Dude, what is that like running a 250 person? I'm 24. I couldn't imagine that in six years. What is that like for you?
1: Well, you know, I think when I was 24, it would have seemed like a stretch. But then again, I started Whoop when I was 22. Uh, and... The key, I think, is just to try to get a little better every day. And then well, lo and behold, you wake up one day and you've got, you know, a massive team and a successful business. It wasn't, you know, when I, was, when I was 22, I think I made the mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make, which is that they compare themselves to other super successful entrepreneurs. You know, you look at Elon Musk or Jack Dorsey or, you know, Steve Jobs or something, and you, you say to yourself well, gosh, if they did that, why can't, I, why can't I even figure out how to get someone to write me a 100K check, you know, and, and maybe I'm not cut out for this. And, you know, maybe I don't know how to start a business. And a lot of self-doubt creeps in. And I think that for especially young founders, there's a, there's a direct uh, tie between your self-identity and the business that you're building you know cuz you haven't done much else in your life and and that's certainly how i felt it didn't just feel like people were rejecting my business idea it felt like they were rejecting me you know and in, in those early days when you're trying to get something off the ground when you're building something that a lot of people don't believe in and uh the thing that i think helped pull me through it was really focusing on myself and thinking about how can i just get a little better every day and Lo and behold, you wake up one day and you realize that you've come a long way.
0: Now, in those first, that first year to two years out of Harvard, what was your day-to-day like? Did you move home for a little bit? Did you stay in the city or in like, were you on like an 18-hour day hustle at the time?
1: Yeah, it's funny. The early days of Whoop, uh, I probably had a lifestyle that was pretty inconsistent with with a lot of what we preach today around balance and around, uh, you know, healthy behaviors and um, two co-founders, John Capalupo and Aurelian Nikolai. John uh, actually dropped out of Harvard to start Whoop and uh, Aurelian was a really talented mechanical engineer who graduated my class. And so the three of us started working out of the Harvard Innovation Lab summer of 2012 John and I were actually living together. Aurelian was living right by the iLab. Whereabouts? This is the Harvard Innovation Lab. So no, wh- I was living, Where were you living? I was living in Coolidge Corner. John and I were in Coolidge Corner, and we would commute every day to the iLab. And we, you know, we went there six or seven days a week, and um, we're probably working 12 to 15 hours a day. And, uh, and it, it was really the only thing, you know, and... and it was really the only thing that we were, we were doing. And we had other people sort of float in and out of the business in those very early days, like that summer and, and then even fall of 2012. But really, it was, it was the three of us. And I think over time, as we were able to build prototypes, as we were able to attract a little bit of capital, you know, I'm talking a few hundred thousand dollars, uh, we, we were able to broaden the team a little bit. We were really focused on technology development. And in those early days, I think it's worth it's worth just stating for a second why um why whoop exists. And for me, it was it was really uh feeling like I didn't know what I was doing to my body while I was training as an athlete. So I was captain of the Harvard squash team and I felt like I didn't know what I was doing to my body while I was training. I was someone who used to overtrain. Other athletes will get Um, injured or they'll undertrain or they'll misinterpret fitness peaks. They won't understand sleep or recovery. So I got very interested in physiology and I read something like 500 medical papers while I was in school. And that research uh, led me to writing a a physiology paper uh, that ultimately became the business plan for Whoop, which was how do you continuously understand the human body? And one of the core things that um, I believe then that I would say has now turned out to be true, is that sleep and recovery are more important to performance than exercise. You know, most businesses are founded on a contrarian idea that later turns out to be right. Ours was was that sleep and recovery were the future of health, and at the time, everyone thought the most important thing was how much you could exercise. We'd kind of gotten to the tipping point of more is more. Um, it wasn't just, can you do a two a day? It was, can you do a three a day? It was train, train, train. And it was, it was big focus on exercise. And the more research I did, the more I realized that it was actually all about balance. And in fact, if you could be recovering faster, that's what would make you a more effective athlete and even a more effective human. And I I give you all of that background because it also explains our technology focus. A lot of investors who we met said, oh, you should um, you know, just pair with other hardware. You shouldn't make your own hardware. And this was recurring feedback over and over again. Oh, just pair with chest straps, pair with Fitbits. But what they didn't understand was that actually the technology did not exist. The hardware did not exist to measure the things that we thought were important for this, this you know, future that we envisioned. And we needed to be able to accurately measure sleep. We needed to accurately measure heart rate variability and there weren't any products on the market. and so we we literally built the first products that could build you know that could accurately measure these statistics. And those early days were all about really hardcore engineering development.
0: Now, if you rewind now seven, eight years on your entrepreneurial journey, did you have a vision for where it's at right now, or did that just kind of come over time? Like things just started building. Like, Holy shit, this is getting kind of big, man. I'm kind of becoming the CEO boss, man. This is getting wild.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've never really thought that much about the the sort of CEO boss seat. I think the the thing that I've tried to stay really focused on is being able to attract a team that is. Uh, in many ways, more talented than than me at, at their disciplines, and I think if you really focus on attracting a team and finding uh, a culture that allows different and smart mind you different and smart people to work well together um, that's actually that's actually what makes you a successful leader i think the a naive point of view of leadership is you hire people and tell them what to do. I think a powerful sort of enlightened point of view on leadership is you hire really smart people and have them tell you what to do.
0: Now, when did you, at what point did you feel like, okay, we're starting to kind of make some progress here? Like, was it after a two-year period where you started to really get investment that you were pumped about or... Well, I was about to say, like a couple weeks ago, I felt that way for the first time. No, uh, well, After look, the Mahomes I, I, deal, that was fresh, bro.
1: The Mahomes deal was fresh. Work, yeah, we are excited to work with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, it's um, it's one of those things where I think it takes a really long time to start to get very successful overnight. I think that for a lot of people who who have discovered Whoop in the past six months they are kind of thinking to themselves, where did this thing come from? Like, wow, this, this is a company that seems to have conquered professional sports and is, a, you know, being listed alongside Apple and Google as the only wearables in the market. Uh, wow, that's a business that's punching above its weight. And the reality is we've just been grinding at it every day for like eight years, you know? And I, sometimes I'll, I'll meet founders and I'll say to them, let's assume everything you're telling me is right and you can build it, but you have to spend the next 10 years doing it. And it's only gonna be in the ninth year that you actually start to feel success, which you still build this thing. And it's kind of a test for them to like, to see if, if they're ready to actually commit a decade of their life to building something. I mean, I've been thinking about whoops since 2009, 2010, right, so it's been about 10 years of seeing this thing come to life. And, uh, and I think that along the way there were, there's these moments that you use as, um, as motivation, or there's these moments that you use as sort of an artificial form of momentum. I'll give you an example. In 2015, I was watching, uh, the NBA on television with my parents at home. I grew up on Long Island and I was watching this, uh, and a commercial comes on a Kia commercial and in the Kia commercial is LeBron James and he's an astronaut. He's about to launch off into space. And sure enough in the commercial, he's wearing a whoop strap. Oh, you must've been like, dude. And I thought that was the coolest thing that he was (sighs) so obsessed with whoop that he wouldn't take it off for a Kia commercial. And, and, um, Now, mind you, there was probably like 200 whoop straps in the world at that time. And one of them happened to be on LeBron's wrist. And and so for me, it was like this great point of pride that although we didn't have any commercial success, we, we were missing revenue numbers. It was taking us way too long to launch the product. We had really invested very heavily in technology development. That would later turn out to be right. But at the time, it looked like we had over allocated capital to technology. So there was a bunch of things that sort of looked not great and then you take sort of one singular point and you use that in your mind as the reason for why everything you're doing works and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mind game like you, you you're trying to find uh you're trying to find points of uh of momentum to keep yourself going and to stay motivated and so that was one of the sort of many examples of taking something that that from a financial standpoint, even from a marketing standpoint, didn't really do anything. No one else really knew that that commercial existed and no one else was paying nearly as close attention to his wrists as I was. Uh, But it gave me an inner confidence. It gave our team an inner confidence that, excuse me, that the thing that we were building uh, could make a big impact. I mean, if someone, one of the best athletes in the world is willing to wear a very early prototype, maybe that's a sign that the technology we're building is quite different.
0: Well, dude. Yeah. It's not any athlete. It's like not a double A baseball player. It's LeBron, man. <laughs> you must've been like, dude, Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it was very cool. It was. So in the first, let's say when you leave Harvard, like 22 to 25, 26, what is, what's your balance like at the time? Are you like go- going out to Faneuil hall and getting smacked with your friends? Are you like, are you <laughs> totally sacrificing every Friday, Saturday night?
1: I think it was a combination. I mean, there was definitely a lot of uh, a lot of nights I was just working, and there's a bit of a loneliness to that, right? <clears throat> you know, I think I you, feel you. you. You get very caught up in your work. You realize that you're not seeing your friends quite as much. But then I would also find that there would be times I would kind of swing in the other direction, and you go out, and you drink way too much, and you get super drunk, and you just sort of like there, there's sort of a lack of equilibrium in a, in an early founder's life or, or an entrepreneur in general's life, I think. And, uh, and this is before I was, I was married. Um, I got married two years ago. And, uh, and so, you know, for me, it was, I think important to find balance over time and really actually adopt a lot of what whoop as a technology is preaching, which is that, you need to get a lot of sleep. You want your body to be recovering. You know, uh, REM and slow wave sleep can make you a much higher, more functioning human being. Things like alcohol can can take that away. Uh, I got very into meditation, uh, which made a huge difference in my life. You know, I think around the age twenty four. Let me see. Yeah, two thousand fourteen. So I was twenty four years old, twenty five years old. I felt like I'd got sort of gotten to a breaking point. Um, where Whoop was running out of money and the team was maybe 30 people. And uh, I was sort of struggling with being a 25 year old CEO. And what does that mean? And having a lot of investors and a lot of cap. You know, we'd probably raised $15 million at that point or $20 million at that point. And so I felt the responsibility of that. I felt the responsibility. Yeah, I felt the pressure and I didn't think I was coping with it all that well. And I felt, I could feel it in my body like I could feel that I was anxious, you know, and and uh not always present and as a consequence of that I got very interested in in uh in meditation in particular transcendental meditation and I went and took a 4-day class on transcendental meditation and uh and it changed my life. It really changed my life. I mean, it's something I, I I've done every day since and it uh it gives you a, the best way I can describe it is it gives you a way to look at yourself in the third person and organize your thoughts. And I think if I didn't have that coping mechanism, I would be a less effective
0: leader. Seems nearly psychedelic. I've never heard of transcendental meditation. How does it work?
1: it's pretty simple
0: you know you sit still
1: for 22 minutes 30 seconds is getting kind of into the the moment the next 20 minutes are repeating a mantra and the reason you repeat a mantra is what happens is you're saying this thing over and over again to yourself and then as you're saying it you start to realize that that thoughts are drifting in and as thoughts drift into your mind you have this opportunity to acknowledge the thought and actually just focus on the thought rather than your mantra, or you have the opportunity to repeat your mantra and push the thought along. And what that does is it allows you for 20 minutes to effectively sort through your brain, and you realize these things that are just hanging around in there that you haven't been paying attention to. And uh, and if you can go back to the mantra, it allows you to establish a deep level of focus. Uh, or of course you can focus on the thought and then try to unpack the thought, but notice it's not just you're thinking about something. It's you're deciding whether you want to think about something. It's you're, you're one level removed, right? From your own mind. And what happens then throughout your life, uh, is, is that follows, that follows you, uh, follows you Uh, throughout your day. So, for example, I'll now hear this voice in the back of my head say, oh, Will's upset. Will's about to get angry before I blurt something out of my mouth. You know, it makes you, I think, much more uh, proactive. And I would say that my growth as an entrepreneur, and by the way, I'm still learning, right? I'm not pretending to know uh, everything at all. I mean, quite the opposite. I think the more you learn, the less you know. But the, the thing that I'll say is that, that my growth as an entrepreneur um, has come in, in large part from, from being proactive versus reactive. I think a younger founder or a new entrepreneur, even a new executive, it, is finding that they're reacting to stuff. They're not, they're not a step out in front of it. And, uh, and there's a lot of different ways to improve at that. Uh, and one of those ways for me has been meditation.
0: Now I want to get into whoop as a product too, but just on this tip. So what, what do you do right now in terms of prioritizing exercise and nutrition? Because I mean, you have so many demands on a day-to-day basis. How do you stack that up? Are you making sure you're eating wicked clean, devoting like 75 minutes exercise a day? How does it work for you?
1: Yeah. Look, I, I mean, I really enjoy exercise, which I think helps. I've always been into exercise. I mentioned I was, um, I played squash at Harvard and, and I still like to play squash competitively. Uh, during COVID I've been running a lot more. I work out with a trainer in Boston. Where are you uh, running in the city? Yeah. In and around the city. Down the Charles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's nice. I mean, I think it's, it's nice to get outside too right now. <clears throat> Uh, I play in a soccer league. I play in a basketball league. Soccer and basketball are two sports i 'm pretty mediocre at, but I feel like i 'm getting slightly better at over time. I think it 's important with with exercise and even with food uh, to do things that you like. you know I think that that people sort of lose sight of that uh, there 's a lot of forms of exercise that you can enjoy. You don't have to go stand on an elliptical and grind for 45 minutes if that makes you miserable. And uh and so I I try to do activities that I that I really enjoy. And I I would say the same thing about food. You know, there's probably ways that my diet could be even healthier, but I actually really like food.
0: You too, dude. Yeah. (laughs) It's awesome. And
1: and and like I want to have meals that taste good. My, uh, my What's for friend, lunch today, uh, well, I'll say this as a caveat, my, my lunches probably are my most boring meal because I find that I'm very caught up in the work day and I, and I'm kind of just getting through my lunches quickly. So today will be some kind of a sweet green salad or something fairly, uh, utilitarian. Uh, wow. but, uh, yeah, but, but, uh, but look, I have a pretty balanced diet. I think the biggest thing is I eat three meals a day and I don't snack. I don't really drink calories uh, with the exception of, you know, wine and beer maybe from time to time. Black coffee. Uh, love black coffee. Drink black coffee every day. Looks like you're drinking some black coffee.
0: It's not black coffee. It's space juice, man. This thing keeps me rattling all day. What is Space juice high-powered double espresso shot. Wow. But again, but I'm on the whoop monster. Don't drink any caffeine after 4 p.m. I listened to you in the podcast say that, like, dude, that's got a profound effect on your sleep. Do not do that.
1: That's true. Yeah, I think it's, for some people, it's 4 p.m. Even for some people, it's 2 p.m. I've tried to get to 2 p.m. where you don't have caffeine after that. The biggest thing about my diet that's probably different from most people's is I do not consume any dairy. I have a dairy allergy, which helps me not consume any dairy, but I also believe that dairy is quite bad for you. And, uh, and so, you know, I don't have cheese, I don't have milk, I don't have cream, I don't have butter. Those things are just completely um, outside of my diet. Uh, and, you know, I eat three meals a day. I don't eat snacks. And, uh, and I think that makes a difference.
0: Now, over the past, I don't know, five, six months, you guys, whoop isn't popping up everywhere. My email, all over social. Obviously, the PGA tour look was awesome, dude. Good for you. You must have been pumped about that. Were you, did you have like some specific meeting with your marketing team where you were like, all right, we really got to ramp it up this year? And also, how much did the Rogan pre rolled ad do for you guys a lot? Well, look, here's the thing about marketing
1: is, it takes time. It's not a light switch, as uh, Antonio Bertone, our chief marketing officer, says wisely. It's not a light switch. I think some companies think of marketing as a bit of an afterthought and as, and as sort of like this thing that you can kind of turn on and off. And we think about it, I would say, more as brand building and developing organic awareness. Paid channel stuff is kind of table stakes when an investor asks me how are you using instagram or facebook or you know whatever um youtube to drive sales i kind of assume they actually don't know that much about marketing because that's sort of like the most basic stuff it's like everything, the hard work is everything that comes before an advertisement actually shows up on Instagram or any of these other platforms. And it's how does someone feel when they first hear about your brand? What are the sorts of emotions that, that come with it? What, what is it about your positioning in the market that differentiates you from other people in the market? How are your assets designed? What are the few words that you're trying to communicate? If you were to ask someone months later who had seen an advertisement of your brand, what is something you want them to remember? Those are the types of things that are really important, I think, as you as you start to understand marketing. And you have to give yourself years to get it right real and really build at it. Now there's there's other businesses maybe that don't feel like they actually need a brand and maybe they're much more tactical. And they sort of just think of marketing as uh, more as the light switch. Hey, we're going to spend 250 k this month, and we're going to spend $2 million next month, and we're going to spend 500 k next month. And we just don't look at it that way. We look at what are partners that can help us build our brand. And this is the the universe that we want to own. We want to own human performance. And so if we're going to own human performance, we're going to have the best athletes in the world wearing Whoop. We're going to have the best researchers in the world using Whoop. We're going to have the best doctors in the world using Whoop. We're going to have Fortune 500 CEOs wearing Whoop. We're going to have the top corporations using Whoop. We're going to have Navy SEALs using Whoop, right? And you start to kind of like carve out all these populations and then you start to think about what are, what are those different populations? What do they connotate together? And, and then you tell stories around that. And by the way, you get a lot more credit for the organic stuff that you do. So for example, for the last five years, we've been talking about heart rate variability.
0: Yeah, you, you should explain that real quick.
1: Yeah, so heart rate variability is the amount of time between successive beats of the heart. If your heart is beating at 60 beats per minute, it's not beating every second. So that's fairly counterintuitive. You would expect that it's beating every second if it's beating at 60 beats per minute but it's not, it might be beating at 1.1 seconds and then 0.9 seconds and then 0.7 and then 1.3. And it turns out that variability that, that t- t- um, those, the changes in time between successive beats of the heart is a good thing. And the reason for that is it's this lens into your autonomic nervous system. Your autonomic nervous system is effectively what governs your body. And it consists of sympathetic and parasympathetic activity so sympathetic is like heart rate up blood pressure up respiration up it's what's happening when you're thinking about something or when you're exercising or even when you inhale that's sympathetic heart rate up parasympathetic's all the opposite heart rate down blood pressure down respiration down it's what helps you fall asleep when you exhale your heart rate goes down and it turns out that what you want for every sympathetic for there to be a parasympathetic response that means your body is in balance and heart rate variability increases the more that sympathetic and parasympathetic are in balance so what you ultimately want is to have a high heart rate variability whoop measures heart rate variability throughout the day but importantly we measure it during slow-wave sleep when your body is recovering and restoring and by taking this statistic every night in a control we're able to understand your body's recovery and how well you're sleeping and all these things now i bring all of that up because this is this was a very fringe statistic 10 years ago and it was something i did medical research on and i said i think this is a really powerful statistic you know when things tend to be followed around by sort of like cults and have small gatherings of people using them, they actually have the potential to be very interesting later. So for example, heart rate variability was being used by Olympic powerlifters in the 1980s, um, Tour de France cyclists in the 1990s, the CIA was using it for lie detection. I'm like, wow, this is a really powerful statistic. Um, Even cardiologists were using it to predict heart attacks. And yet no one could measure this thing. It required an electrocardiogram to measure uh, heart rate variability. And so I said, okay, first of all, if we can build technology to continuously measure heart rate variability, that's going to be a bit of a breakthrough. So as we were talking about earlier, really one of the main things that we spent the first three years of the company doing was trying to figure out how to measure heart rate variability accurately. We now measure it the most accurately of any product on the market. Um, Back to marketing for half a second because I just want to close this thought. We've been talking about heart rate variability for five years, and over the course of that time, we've now become a thought leader on that specific topic. So if you were to Google heart rate variability, you would see that the response in Google for what is heart rate variability will be answered now by Whoop. And I bring that up because that's the type of organic brand building that's actually the best form of marketing is when you can actually be delivering true value to a customer or even someone who just wants to understand the space and effectively be that authority. And we've now seen that with slow wave sleep and REM sleep and all these different types of terms. Um, Even the Whoop podcast is another form of organic content where I'll interview professional athletes or executives or leaders. And so... I bring all of this up to say that I think those aspects of, of building a business and brand building and marketing are very important to what we do.
0: So you're playing the long game. That's right. That's, that's my big takeaway. A question. I had heard on another podcast, you say steps are an irrelevant metric for the average consumer. I have noticed personally, in my own experience, when I'm trying to lean out like crazy, if I get my activity up to like a, like a 20k steps or 25k steps a day, it totally accelerates fat loss. Can you just kind of explain why you think it's an irrelevant metric and why you don't measure it on the whoop?
1: In general, uh, I think steps are a grossly overrated metric. Uh, one reason for this is that a step isn't actually a step. You know, uh, if I'm sitting here and thinking a lot about this podcast and waving my arm around elaborately, all of a sudden, maybe I've gone a thousand steps over the course of an hour just because I'm moving my wrist. I mean, that's not actually a step. That's just an inaccurate metric. Uh, So, you know, an Apple Watch or a Fitbit that tells you they're measuring steps is really just measuring the amount that your arm is moving. So that's my first issue with steps is that a step is not a step. The second thing is a step doesn't necessarily reflect cardiovascular strain, which again, if you go back to your understanding, your physiology is a much more important phenomenon. For example, if you were to do a weightlifting workout, that would accumulate a lot of strain on your body. It wouldn't accumulate a lot of steps. If you were to go for a long walk, that might accumulate a lot of steps, but not a lot of strain. And some of this goes back to what do you ultimately want? Sure, if you're trying to lose weight, walking can be a great mechanism for losing weight, but that's going to show up in calories. So let's talk about calories, right? The goal is to lose weight. Let's talk about calories. Whoop measures calories. We measure it really accurately. Uh, so I think I think that just unfortunately because steps was a very easy thing to sell to consumers, 10,000 steps a day, 10,000 steps a day, uh, it, it, it had mass market appeal. And uh, the good news is that I think the whole movement around steps is pretty much dying. And I think in some ways, sleep has become the new steps. And, uh, and look, we, we feel good about that. We're, we're happy to see sleep uh, become more of the mass market conversation around health.
0: Now, strategically for you, was that like a differentiator from you with an Apple watch and a Fitbit? You're like, we're going to be the ones who don't do steps because we just don't think it matters.
1: Well, I would say as a general point of view, Whoop is great at all of the things that it does for all the things that it doesn't do. So, you know, Whoop doesn't have a screen on it. We don't allow you to call an Uber. You know, you can't make a phone call. We're not giving you push notifications. Um, but we're a very focused product. If you want the best health monitoring on the market, you come to Whoop, and that comes from focus. So I would say steps is one, one bullet in a long list of stuff that that Whoop doesn't think is that important.
0: I feel you. How do you you've carved out such a niche with professional athletes? How do you like pivot and try to tailor to the average consumer, someone who's not necessarily like really cares that much about their body, but they kind of want to be active.
1: Well, I'd say the thing that holds the whoop audience together, whether you're LeBron James or Patrick Mahomes or Steph Curry, or, you know, an executive who wants to better understand his body or a new mother or you know, an 18 year old who's, who's trying to survive in class. I think the thing that is held together by the whoop community is it's a motivated group of people. It's an aspirational group of people. If you want to improve at something, I don't care if it's, I want to lose weight. I want to ace this test. I want to be a better athlete. I want to be a better father. Like if you're motivated in any way, I think whoop is a phenomenal product for you. What Whoop is not yet is someone who's sitting on the couch who has no interest in doing anything, and we put this thing on them, and all of a sudden it's a magic you know it's a magic weapon that that's we're not that today one day we will be that, but what we are great at is taking someone who's motivated and helping them accomplish their goals, and in many ways that's what the brand is trying to communicate by working with these super high-end athletes and working with everyday consumers is that it's an aspirational brand. You know, our mission is to unlock human performance. Well, what do you want to perform better at?
0: Dude, you are like the best salesman of all time, man. (laughs) Every podcast I listen to you float through marketing the whoop. Do do you ever get tired of marketing the same product? product? Are you ever like, dude, I could go work for like Nike and sell a gazillion shoes. No, hell no. <laughs> I mean, whoop is, uh, I think it's the coolest thing. I mean, well, look, dude, you're as passionate about pitching over the past, like seven years of episodes I've watched you like your master, dude. Well, I've had a lot of
1: practice talking about whoop. So if I'm not good at it now, I'm never going to be good at it. I, Hey, I think, you know, I, and I tell this to founders, you got to make sure that you're solving something you're passionate about, you know, and it's really a problem that, that you feel needs to change. It really has to burn inside of you. The things that you think about when you're brushing your teeth or when you're in the shower or before you go to bed or when you're staring at the wall in an elevator, you know, those are the things that are going on in your brain that you care a lot about. And for 10 years, that's been whooped. You know, I, I, it doesn't feel like I had much of a choice,
0: honestly. Hey, I know you got to run soon. So I'm just going to let our producers get a couple of questions off. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, Riley, rip one, man.
1: Hey, well, um, this is Riley. I was just wondering where you see the future of Whoop. What do the next five years look like for you?
0: Yeah, and, and pivoting on that real quick. A lot of questions I got from some of my friends were like, yo, can I buy stock in Whoop? Is that going to happen mm-hmm. soon?
1: I appreciate that. So, you know, I think that the market for human performance is growing massively. And I think actually the rate with which Whoop is playing directly in health has accelerated. You know, COVID-19, I don't think necessarily changed the world, uh, but it it dramatically accelerated where the world was heading. So if I were to tell you six months ago that in 10 years, most people would be wearing a continuous health monitor. I think now that's going to look more like two to three years. You know, if if uh, going to a doctor's office uh, with telehealth and not having to show up in that person's office was something that was inevitably going to happen in 10 years, now I think that's happening in six to 12 months, right? And in some ways, I, I view these changes as actually positive ones uh, and and something that I think can can really improve society. And we view that our our role at whoop is, uh, is to play a big role in that and to really use health data as a mechanism for people uh, to understand their bodies and
0: and improve their lives. Hey, Lexi, you want to ask one? Yeah. Hey, Will. So kind of going off of that thought, um, you worked a lot with the PGA and the PGA tournament and detecting COVID in golfers. Do you want to pivot to a sort of public health view with Whoop or is it just kind of a short-term goal for you?
1: Well, I think health is core, core to our business. Um, in terms of how Whoop is playing a role during COVID-19, Uh, We measure a statistic called respiratory rate. Respiratory rate is typically a very boring statistic. It almost never changes. Uh, I've been on WHOOP for five years. My respiratory rate has been between 13 and 14 every single day uh, for five years. And the PGA Tour example is a fun one, Um, or it's just a good example. You know, Nick Watney, who'd been on WHOOP for 10 months every single day, he woke up with a respiratory rate of 14, 14, 14, 14, And on, he tested negative for COVID-19 on a Tuesday. This is a professional golfer. He's playing in the tournament on Thursday. Then he wakes up on Friday and his respiratory rate has jumped from a 14 to an 18. I mean, it jumped off the page, right? That's an increase of, I don't know, 30%. And so he he had read the research that Whoop had published about how respiratory rate could be a predictor of COVID-19, right? Uh, COVID-19 is a lower respiratory tract infection. So it makes all the sense in the world that an elevated respiratory rate uh, would be a symptom. And he goes to the doctors. The doctors actually say, you're cleared to play in the tournament. You don't need to be tested. He convinces them to test him. And sure enough, he tests positive for COVID-19. Whoa. So that was an example of whoop data alerting someone um, that something is going on in his body that he couldn't feel. And as a consequence, he was able to quarantine and not affect, uh, you know, other members of the PGA tour PGA tour learned of this story. They rolled whoop out to every single player on the PGA tour, every caddy media member staff. I mean, really the, every, the whole PGA tour bubble is, is wearing whoop. And We've now done that with the LPGA. We're doing it with a bunch of universities. Tennessee just announced uh, every student athlete will be wearing Whoop. Uh, we just announced yesterday that the NFL Players Association is putting Whoop on every NFL player.
0: Dude, you uh, must be stoked about that.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, that's a pretty exciting deal for sure. And, uh, and so, you know, just kind of back to this idea, right? Uh, Whoop was founded on this principle, again, that – there are secrets that your body is trying to tell you that you can't feel, right? I was someone who used to overtrain because I couldn't feel what was happening to my body. And I think what's powerful about COVID-19 is it's showing to the average consumer this phenomenon that there are secrets that your body is trying to tell you that you can't feel. What better example of that than a virus that you literally could not feel you have? You have no symptoms and you go visit your grandmother and give it to her, and she dies from COVID-19. And unfortunately, that's a very real example that's happening right now across the world. And the reality is that there are physiological indicators that can potentially alert you to something changing in your body that you can't feel. And that's the future of medicine, right? The future of medicine is, is preventative. It's understanding things about your body before you need to cure them, right?
0: Hey, I know you got to run. So I just want to first off say thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You're a great guy, man. Hopefully we can meet in person sometime soon. And I'm going to hook up with your press person after this and get you a sweatshirt. Would love that. What size are you? I'm going to guess a medium or a large. I would guess the same. Okay. Well, is it a medium or a large? I don't know. You got to tell me. (laughs) Well, dude, I don't want to send you something that's puny. Send me a large, please. Okay, I got you, no problem. We have two ending bits on the show. The first one's gonna be fairly easy for you. It's called GDP sales mode. I'm gonna go into my phone, I'm gonna pull out the timer app, and I'm gonna give you the floor for 40 seconds to pitch anything you'd like to pitch. Think this will probably be one of the easiest things you do all day, honestly. But we're gonna cut up this specifically as a clip, we give everyone the floor. After about 30 seconds on the timer, I'm going to put my hand up. Then at 40 seconds, we have a hard stop. And what do you want me to pitch? Literally whatever you want. I would pitch where to get the Whoop, but if you want to do some inspirational words or what you got coming up, that works too. I mean, you got like the coolest product ever. (laughs) Also, is Whoop retail or is it all e-commerce? I'll tell you in the pitch. Whoa. Okay, Will. Let's go, man. All right. Three, two, one, sales mode, go. If
1: you are looking to better understand your body, if you want to unlock your own performance, you should check out WHOOP. WHOOP is building wearable technology that can measure everything from sleep to recovery to strain. More recently, we measure a statistic called respiratory rate, which is an important lens into your body during COVID-19 and could, in fact, help predict COVID-19. And WHOOP today is used by the best athletes in the world, Fortune 500 CEOs, top researchers, Navy SEALs. It's a product that can really help you understand your body, and you can find it at WHOOP.com.
0: 36 seconds. Effective, efficient, and well-executed from the young guru. The final bit. Okay. This is how we start and end the show. Also... Will, you drink clear water? Me too, man. I drink a lot of water. Water's the goat. This is how we start in the show. You say, hi, your name, and this is my golden hour. Directly after, no break, hi, your name, and that was my golden hour. Okay. Whenever you're ready, man.
1: Hi, I'm Will Ahmed, and this is my golden hour. Hi, I'm Will Ahmed, and that was my golden hour.
0: Dude, this was like the perfect interview, man. Thank you. Yeah, of course. It was a pleasure.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You killed it, man. Hopefully when the company is worth like two billion bucks, we can run another one. Yeah, of course. All right, man. Sounds good. And I'll link up with your uh, your press person and get you a sweatshirt. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, dude. Have a good one. All right. Bye.